this week's episode of the Stephen Perkins program. I'm so happy to have you joining us here on the Outset Podcast Network. Before we start the show, let me just throw some links at you. Hopefully you can uh, handle them. Uh, I do want to invite you to, to look at the other, or listen to, rather, you can't really look at them, but I guess you could. I don't know. Anyways, listen to the other podcasts by going to outsetmagazine.com slash podcast. We have an incredible lineup of podcasts on the Outset Podcast Network. Second Look with Benjamin Green on Tuesdays, The Matt Dallas Show on Fridays, my show on Thursdays, and we have some more coming um, this summer, so that's really exciting. Thanks so much for joining us this week. I don't know if you can tell, I'm a little happy, I'm a little energetic today, I'm really going, I got some good sleep last night, and the amazing thing is, Katie, if you're listening, I have not had coffee, so I'm not very cynical. Um, for those of you who don't know, coffee somehow makes me even more cynical. I, I like I'll wake up in ranting moods and I'll go on Twitter and rant and then I'll drink coffee and I'll be even more pissed. Um, the main reason I'm happy today is because my lab is, is over. I don't have to go to that today. Um, so I, I have one class today. I now have one class, um, on Thursdays. The, you know, it's crazy. School is wrapping up. Um, I've only cried like twice in the past 24 hours, so that's good. Um, definitely under the average, and I, I think that finals are going to go well. I don't know. I'm one of those people who, um, you probably know these people. You probably get annoyed by these people. I get annoyed by these people, and I'm one of these people. The people who, they, they don't, they don't, it's, it's not that they don't study for finals. They just study in their in their own way. I have come to terms with the reality that I am just a natural procrastinator. And it's, I don't think procrastination is always a bad thing. I, I think that there is certainly such thing as good procrastination. I think some people thrive under the pressure. And, and certainly for me, I do some of my best work when I'm doing it last minute. Um, so for me, studying is kind of, I guess you could say cramming, um, but I mean, is it, isn't it for anyone? These I I don't I really do not know one person, and and I I hang out with some some pretty driven people, but I do not know one person who is studying for finals like a month in advance. I don't know anyone who is that on top of it. There are some people who are are certainly more prepared than me, but I, I you know I I think what the type of study that I have is just kind of. Um, average for my generation i don't know we always seem to cram there's always something else we could be doing and then we're like oh yeah i guess i should study i, t- I did take my uh my statistics exam yesterday i was tweeting about it um and the good news is i did better than my last statistics exam the bad news is that's not really saying much so i'm not really sure we still have like one more chapter exam and one more mid or in the the final or whatever so I don't really know what's going to what's going to happen. Stay tuned for more statistic updates. I do want to say so um if if you listen to the show back when it was on my blog, the I guess you could call it season 1 of the Stephen Perkins program. That's kind of weird to say. I don't know. I don't like it. Don't call it season 1. That's weird. But uh I I had my friend Holly Norris on and we talked about 50 Shades of Grey. She texted me this morning and said uh the 50 Shades of Grey movie is of course now coming out. I think on DVD. Is it? It's coming out on DVD? I, mean, I don't know. Let me pull up the text. But she essentially said that we should have another Fifty Shades of Grey episode where we at least talk about, uh, you know, certain aspects of the movie. Yeah, it comes out on DVD next week. So next week, maybe Holly Norris may be back on the program to talk 
about Fifty Shades of Grey, which I'm really excited. I'm not excited about talking about Fifty Shades of Grey. I'm excited for Holly to be back on the show um, because Fifty Shades of Grey creeps me out. So we'll kind of see how that goes. No, I I, I do want to say though today I am very happy. Um, I don't I don't know why. I just I just woke up. Uh, you know. Uh, in in a good mood, which is certainly a good thing. I think it was all the sleep I got, and it was also I had a great night last night. So um, so all around good things, all around good things. I hope I can push some of my positive energy your way. If if you're someone who is uh, kind of freaking out as the school year comes to a close, or maybe work has got you stressed out, hopefully you know all of those things just go away or at least diminish a little bit. I want to talk today about. Um, a couple of, uh, of things that are that are kind of heavy topics. And because I'm in a good mood today, I don't want to get too down on them. I want to focus on the bright side. Um, but I, I think this episode will certainly be um, a challenge for me. I don't know. Because, because we're, let, let me just give you a preview. We're talking about the Baltimore riots. We're talking about the uh, Supreme Court of the United States, their gay marriage um, case that they are hearing. Um, and, and also, I'm going to unveil today, this is not official from the Rand Paul campaign, but I'm going to unveil today a new effort um, that I think you're going to really enjoy. Um, and so we'll talk about that. We're also talking about Bernie Sanders, because apparently he's relevant in our world today. Um, to me, he looks like just a couple steps away from death, but it's whatever. We'll talk about him anyway. So before we do that, I of course have to give some love to our incredible advertising partner this week. And that is Octopod. If you have ever had your phone run out of battery, you know the pain. First world problems, right? Well, the amazing thing is that a company called Octopod, who has been great partners with us for a while now, ever since we launched this podcast network, they have been helping us um, support our shows. And hopefully you will patronize them because uh, they do help our shows keep going. And so make sure to go to octo-pod, that's O-C-T-O-P-O-D.com slash outset, O-U-T-S-E-T, although you knew that. And you can view their amazing line of portable charging solutions. That means that your phone never has to be without uh, battery life again. You just go and you plug it in and uh, your phone is working forever now. It's amazing. It's incredible. It's a miracle from the good Lord above. Um, and here's the incredible thing for listeners of the outset podcast network. This is an exclusive deal. Y'all exclusive deal. You can get 50% off your purchase. That's a five, a zero and a percent sign all together. as one happy family. You can get 50% off. If you go to octo pod slash outset, use the checkout code outset at, well, you know, checkout. All right. So. I'm trying to think of what, of what we're going to start with. I, I, I guess we'll start with Bernie Sanders entering the race because this is this is a guy who um, is always interesting to me. He he he's on the left. He's not a Democrat. He's an independent from Vermont, um, which I mean, like, how often do you remember that Vermont even exists? You know, Vermont is like like Rhode Island. Like, who who remembers whoever whatever happens in those states? Vermont, Rhode Island, I, I don't know, like Kansas. These are all states that you don't remember actually exist. Anyway, so Bernie Sanders is an independent senator from Vermont. He, uh, Because he's independent, he does not officially align with either party, but he does caucus with the Democrats. So for all intents and purposes, he's a Democrat. 
Bernie Sanders has been described, and I think even self-described, as a uh, as a, a communist, or at least uh, he leans towards communist uh, beliefs. So, for all intents and purposes, we'll call him a communist. Might as well. He announced today, Thursday, what's today? April 30th, the last day of April. I don't know what he's trying to signify there, but I don't know. That he is running for president of the United States, which means that he is joining the field on the left with Hillary Clinton and, um, oh, yeah, no one else because only Hillary Clinton is apparently running. But now Bernie Sanders is. Uh, Oh, just for those of you uh, wondering, Bernie Sanders was not the star of Weekend at Bernie's. That's a different Bernie. So Bernie Sanders uh, coxes with the Democrats, pretty much a communist, I guess. You know, we could say it if we were Senator McCarthy. 52%, this is an alarming statistic, 52% of Democrats said that they are perfectly okay with his communist leanings. 52% of Democrats in 2015 are, 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 are okay with the fact that Bernie Sanders leans communist. Um, cool. So in other words, 50, 52% of Democrats are um, crazy. And I would say the number is probably even higher, but let's not get into that. So Bernie Sanders is entering the race. A lot of people are saying that he's going to add this new um, you know, the, this, this new level of discussion towards the debates. And that's if Hillary even agrees to a debate, because I really doubt she will. I think that she feels like she deserves this um, when really she deserves something else. But we won't talk about that because I could get sued. So he will presumably um, make the case that the Democrats should go even more to the left in 2016 which Hillary has already been making that case. If you notice, she's she has come out in support of same-sex marriage, which is radically different from her stance back in the 90s and back as senator, as a senator from New York. So she's already gone to the left on that. Uh, she is certainly positioning herself as a more liberal candidate than she was in 2008. And Bernie Sanders is going to be someone... I, I see him... I see Bernie Sanders as the Ron Paul of the left, not in terms of like libertarian leaning or anything, but in terms of like, he's kind of a wild card and he's he's kind of there just to, uh, he's kind of there just to make a statement. I, I don't really think Bernie Sanders is in this to win, although sources next uh, close to him say that he is in it to win. I doubt it because he, he has to know that his chances of winning are very slim. Like his chances of winning are slimmer than like any of the Kardashians getting a real job. I mean, we're talking about slim chances here, people. By the way, have you done the Kylie Jenner lip challenge? If you have, please stop listening to this program. I do not want to, I don't want to associate with you. You're a sad person. I'm just kidding. But not really. I don't know. It's complicated. So Bernie Sanders is in the race. I I don't don't really have a lot to say about it. I just feel like, all right, he's in the race. Cool. I mean, one more, one more uh, old white person on the left. We have Hillary, an old white elitist woman. And then we have Bernie Sanders, an old white elitist, but he's a communist. I don't know, man. So the left, the left is really ending up, uh, 
and they're they're really showing themselves as as the party of diversity, which you know, wonderful. All right, so Bernie Sanders is in the race. You know the story. Blah blah blah. All right, let's talk about the Baltimore riots. And I say riots. I don't say protests because they're not protest. Um, I don't say demonstrations because all they're doing is demonstrating evil. The Baltimore riots have been going on. The city has been just torn to shreds, not only um, literally, but but I, I think their sense of a community has been torn to shreds too. And their mayor um, is, is pathetic. She hasn't been doing what a mayor should do. She did not call she did not call the governor and ask for National Guard troops early enough. She waited till the very last minute. She has allowed race baiters into her city to make the situation even worse. And she has not stood up and said that these people need to stop their foolishness. So the Baltimore riots have been going on. The only good I mean really the only I was talking with a, I was talking with someone last night about this. You know, living in D.C., a lot of people live in D.C. They might live in Baltimore and commute in. What a time to move there. I mean, real estate prices are low, you know. Um, great, great opportunities to start new businesses since most of them have been burned down. Not as much competition. What a great time to live in Baltimore, guys. Come on. I'm excited about it. Anyway, so the Baltimore riots have been going on. People have been have been tearing the city apart over the murder of Freddie Gray. Uh, by a surprise white police officer because um, because God forbid, let me just say for a second, God forbid we, we, we look at how many black kids are killed by blacks. God forbid we look at how many black kids are killed by abortions. Let's instead focus on the much lower number of black kids who are killed by white cops. And I agree. It is not a good thing when a cop uses deadly force, it should be a last resort. And in many of these cases, obviously, we don't know all the facts. And I think that's a very important thing to point out. None of us know exactly what happened. None of us ever will know exactly what happened because we weren't there. We weren't Freddie Gray. We weren't the cop. We weren't there. We don't know. But I will say that there are certainly circumstances where police officers use deadly force where they did not need to. And that is absolutely wrong. I think uh, police departments um, really need to, I, I mean, I'm no expert, but I, I think maybe there needs to be more training. There needs to be uh, certainly training on, on when to actually use deadly force. But I think this is an interesting case study in this because Baltimore is a city that has had a Democrat mayor since the 50s. A city where the, the inner city population of minorities, even with a Democrat mayor since the 50s, they have not seen improvement in their quality of life. And we've seen the same type of thing in Detroit. We saw the same type of thing in Ferguson. I mean, these are cities where minorities are not be, are not being given a chance at education. They're not being given a chance at at at, um, or they're not being economically empowered. Because when it comes down to it, the best way to solve these issues, I believe, is through economic empowerment, education, 
and getting kids, no matter what color they are, but getting kids in every city involved in something other than crime or gang-related violence or any type of antisocial behavior. That is the key. And I think this is an area where Republicans and Democrats can come together on because we can say, listen, the inner cities are a big problem. This is not a, a, a conservative or a liberal issues. It's a fact. Inner cities are a problem. And inner city kids are not being given a chance. Now, listen, I'm no expert on this. I did not grow up in an inner city. I don't know the struggles that inner city kids go through. But what I can tell you is that I know for a fact that they go through so many more challenges than I do. And it honestly breaks my heart that there, that there are people my age out there who are not given the same opportunities that I've been given through education or through economic empowerment. I mean, I, I've, I've had, I'm only 20. I've already had four businesses. I'm in college. These kids don't have that. They don't have the opportunities. They don't have uh, apprenticeships that they can go to and then learn a trade if they can't afford college. They don't have a way to afford college if, if they do choose to go to college. And really, it starts even at that. Their schools suck. And with things like school choice and school vouchers, maybe that can improve. But again, I, I think we can all rally together. And I'm getting off topic of the riots, but I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to dig up the root cause of all of this. What is the root cause of our inequality today and in, 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 in among minorities in inner cities? Because a lot of people on the right, on my side, they don't want to use this word inequality, but we have to acknowledge that there are challenges right now in inner cities that exist nowhere else. And the biggest one for me is education and economic empowerment. We have to find a way to remove the stigma from inner cities. And the way we do that is to make them better. Um, again, no expert, but I've, I've seen some really economically depressed areas of cities. I come from Houston. We have a lot of different areas in Houston that are um, not up to par with living standards. And they are a breeding ground for antisocial behavior, crime, drugs, gang activity. This is where it all starts. And if we're going to talk about how we prevent how we prevent these things, I think we first have to look at that. How do we provide more opportunities to lift people out of this antisocial behavior loophole that they get stuck in? And I think the second thing is parenting. Now, one of the reasons I have been so blessed is that I have incredible parents. Um, chiefly, I have two—I I have two parents up until my mom passed away. I mean, but I, I still have people who certainly take over parental roles. This is another area that I, I was very saw an article on this. Rand Paul and President Obama agree on this area that the lack of fathers in inner cities and the fact that that because there's a lack of fathers, many of the mothers have to work more than they actually see their children. This is another big issue. If you saw the video this past week of 
of the mom and God bless this mom, this mom who her son is, is in the writing and she pulls him out and she starts, I mean, it's not cool that she's beating him, but you know, she's, she's hitting him and she's saying, what's wrong with you. And you know, why are you out here writing? Those are the type of parents we need. We need the parents who are going to push their children um, to be educated. And, and, and a lot of people say, well, well, how can parents push their kids to get educated if they're not educated? I, I think that's, I think that's false. I, I think as a parent, even if you're not educated, even if you didn't finish high school, you can still push your kid to do their best. It's not about you. It's about your kid now. So I, I, I think parenting is the second part of that equation. Listen, we can turn inner cities around. We can turn the stigma with inner city minorities. We can turn it around. We can eliminate it. And it starts with education economic empowerment, making our cities more economically stable. I'm talking about empowering people to own businesses, empowering people, uh, especially young kids who maybe college isn't right for them. Let's get them apprenticeships. Let's have them learning a trade. Let's get them contributing like they really want to be. I do not believe that you are born wanting to do crime. I think everyone is born wanting to find a purpose in life, and these kids can't find their purpose because they are surrounded by so much that keeps them from finding their purpose. Gang violence, economically depressed areas, a lack of education. They feel worthless, and so they feel as if they don't have a purpose, and that's wrong. That's wrong for anyone, not even not just minorities, but that is wrong for anyone to have to deal with that. The Baltimore riots are inexcusable. I should say that. They are inexcusable. They're tearing a city apart. I, I never understand the mindset of how are we going to be taken seriously on this issue? Oh, I know. Let's act like juveniles. Let's act like pyromaniac children and burn our city down. That is never the answer. That is never it. I mean, I, I, I don't care if you're protesting the death of a young black kid or you're, or you're pissed off about the fact that, that your team lost a World Series or a World Championship. Or maybe you're happy about the fact. I never got that. Like, like cities that would riot when their team won. Guys, you won. You're good. You don't, like, what are you doing? But rioting is never the answer. And, and I think... Um, I think if Dr. King was here today, he would look at the Baltimore riots and say, what the hell have you done to everything, to all the work that I and, and, and your grandparents did? What have you done? And a lot of people have said, well, you know, that's just the way it is in the 21st century. You know, you can't get anything done without violence. If that is the mindset that we are going to reduce ourselves to, we are in a world of trouble. We cannot allow ourselves to say, oh, well, you know, violence is the only way now. Because it's wrong. Because it's false. Because violence doesn't get your message across. In fact, violence makes the people that you think hate you, hate you even more. Respect you even less. If you want to be treated like normal human beings as everyone deserves to be treated you need to act like normal human beings and that type of behavior rioting looting burning your city down is not normal 
human behavior. It's wrong. So, so I propose that, that, that we, let's fix this, you know? Let's get people empowered in inner cities around the country. Let's get minorities the opportunities that they need. Part of that can be done by, as I said earlier, school choice, school vouchers. Let's let parents and children decide where they want to go to school. So instead of going to that crappy school where instead of the principal running the school, it's the gangs running the school, let's instead get school, let's instead get kids into good schools. And that is my mind-blasting idea for this episode. You can steal it. No worries. No need to pay me royalties. I want to talk next about something that is um, that is very pressing. And I, I, a lot of people have been tuned to this story um, in the past couple of weeks. Um, specifically this week. Because, um, because it, it's a big issue. The Supreme Court is hearing yet another same-sex marriage case. And, um, you know, you can look up the details. I don't want to bore you with all the details. But essentially, what they decide could, um, they could decide to either essentially make gay marriage legal within the entire country or they can continue as it is now with each state deciding on their own. Now, I was going to write... I was going to write an article, I was going to write a piece with my thoughts on it, but I, I found one the other day that pretty much perfectly sum up my thoughts. And it's it's gotten some people to call me liberal. Some people think that because these are my thoughts now that I'm liberal, and I'm telling you no, these are the most conservative thoughts I've ever found. It's from the Cato Institute, and it's an article by, oh gosh, I have to pronounce that name, Ilya Shapiro, he's a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. And it is titled, States Must License Gay Marriages Only If They License Straight Ones. So let me let me read you a little bit out of this. I'm trying to find... Uh, so, so basically, it talks about the, the 14th Amendment. And he says, indeed, the 14th Amendment Equal Protection Clause establishes a broad assurance of equality for all. It guarantees the same rights under the law for all men and women of any race, which, uh, whether rich or poor, citizen or alien, gay or straight... And as the court held in the civil rights case in 1883, quote, prohibits any state legislation which has the effect of denying to any race or class or to any individual the equal protection of the laws, end quote. As the provisions proponents said in their congressional debates in 1866, um, the clause, quote, establishes equality before the law and, quote, abolishes all class legislation in the states, thereby securing Inequality of rights to all citizens of the United States and all uh, of all purpose, uh, persons, geez, within their jurisdiction. So the Fourteenth Amendment, in case you in case you don't know, essentially says that um, it, it's the Equal Protection Clause. So it and and, and the way it relates to same sex marriage, I believe, is um, essentially that's. Uh, you know, states cannot license a straight marriage and then deny a gay marriage. And I accept that these are, um, on the surface, liberal 
type of uh, type of views. But I really think when we look at these big constitutional issues, we have to look to, to the Constitution. And this is what I, I mean, there, there's two thoughts on this from, from me. And I'm, I'm really, with this Supreme Court case, I'm really trying to decide which one is, is the best. And I think there is a way for them to coexist together, but I have to figure that out. And, and the first is gay marriage is not talked about in the Constitution. Marriage in general is not talked about in the Constitution. Therefore, I think it's up to the individual states to decide what they want the, their regulations on marriage to be. Because if it's not directly uh, granted in the Constitution under the jurisdiction of the federal government, it has to be states' rights. However, the 14th Amendment, which um, is just as important um, as the rest of the Constitution says this. So what this really comes down to is there, there is this, so the, the one thought is, well, every state should have the right to choose if they want to allow gay marriage. The second thought is they already have to, if they're going to do straight marriage, they have to do gay marriage because of the 14th Amendment. Now, what I think this leads to is the place that I would love this debate to be. I think that under this, um, under this assumption that the that states must license gay marriages only if they license straight ones, I think this leads people to the conclusion, and I, I hope it does because it's the right conclusion, that the government should not be involved in relationship regulation at all. Let me say that again. The government should not regulate any type of relationship ever. Not the federal government, not the state government. Relationships are something that are between two people. And if they choose, they're God or they're deity. That is what relationships should be about. Now, a lot of social conservatives would disagree with this. A lot of social conservatives would say that we cannot allow our country to allow an immoral thing such as same-sex marriage. But this is my argument. In our Constitution, there is no clause that exempts, that exempts state-sponsored discrimination on the basis of religious ideology. And I believe the founders were very intent about this. They created a separation of church and state, not to separate the church from the state, but the state from the church. But along with that, they also knew that America is not a theocracy. Therefore, just because the major religion has a, has a, has a particular view does not mean that that view should be imposed on all. And this is where I, this is where social conservatives lose it with me because, and, and this is where my more, I mean, people would say liberal leaning. It's a libertarian leaning. It's a, it, it's the view that you do you, I'm going to do me and we're going to get along fine. Cause at the end of the day, I don't care who you marry as long as 
You don't tell me who to marry. Like, this is what it comes down to. Let people do what they're going to do. And as long as they're not hurting or affecting you, you'll be fine. And a lot of people say, well, you know, the government is going to start telling churches that they have to. No, they're not. I have never heard the government announce intentions that a church has to perform same-sex marriage. And that's the way it should be. It should essentially be that the government, um, the government shouldn't have a say in any of this. It should be marry whoever you want, but you also at the same time can't force an institution that has views against it to, to do it. So, and a lot of con, a lot of social conservatives say, well, you know, oh, now we're just redefining marriage. No, I believe the government, that's the whole point. They shouldn't be defining marriage as anything. And if you are truly adamant about the fact that marriage is between a man and a woman, and if you think that that comes from God, from God, then why the hell does a government law scare you so much? Because the Bible says that God's law is above the nation's law. So if your religion says that man is between a man and a woman, nothing can change that. Nothing can change that in your mind. Nothing can change that. Your views are safe. Mike Huckabee said that that we are that we are heading towards the de, uh, towards the criminalization of Christianity, and this is where I think Mike Huckabee is a moron. Because if if he thinks that that Christianity is becoming criminalized here, I invite him to go to the Middle East and see where it is actually criminalized. The fact is here, no church is going to be forced as they shouldn't be. To perform same-sex marriages. But when it comes down to it, when we follow our constitution, and when we follow um, when we follow the facts of, of our society, the things that we believe, when we follow our limited government principles, we have to come to the conclusion the government should not be in, in, in the business of defining anything anything related to relationships. No more relationship regulation. That is what I believe. So you can take that as you want. You can take that as a, um, as a liberal view, as a libertarian view. Social conservatives do not like me because of this view. But it's simply the fact of the matter. we got to follow that constitution. So I'm interested to see what the Supreme Court comes up with. All right, in our last story of the day, because we're wrapping up here, but I do want to announce a new, a very new, and this is not from the Rand Paul campaign, but I'm coming up with it myself. We are announcing a, a, a new um, auxiliary group of the Rand Paul campaign called Fetuses for Rand Paul. Now, in case you don't know what Fetuses for Rand Paul is all about, this is not a pro-life um, auxiliary group for Rand Paul. This is instead about uh, the 12-year-olds out there who who endorsed Rand Paul. Because in case you didn't see, Rand Paul shared a video this week um, of C.J. Pearson. And if you don't know C.J. Pearson, uh, wonderful guy. He is a, a 12-year-old um, YouTuber. And I say that because it's all he does. He's, he's a YouTuber. Let's get that clear. 
is a 12-year-old YouTuber who, quote, endorsed, end quote, Rand Paul. Now, what I think is so interesting about this is, first of all, um, he's 12. So someone tell me how much weight a 12-year-old's endorsement brings to Rand Paul. Like, is this going to secure him the nomination now that, you know, fetuses are for him? And listen, this is nothing, this is nothing against CJ. Um, I, I just, I just think it's, it's funny and it's kind of sad. Um, I don't know. There are weird people on the conservative movement. I'm not talking about CJ because God forbid. Um, but I'm talking about people who like, they'll, they'll, like they comment on, on, on Rand's video or on whenever Rand shared CJ's video and they're like, oh my gosh, Rand Paul 2016, CJ Pearson 2050. And I'm like, really? Like he's 12. He's 12, people. He's 12. So the good news, though, is that, you know, this this brings a new life to the Rand Paul campaign. Fetuses for Rand Paul. Check him out. Hopefully we'll have shirts. And by the way, we do have the Jeb Bush Hillary Clinton, Jeb Bush Hillary Clinton shirt. I really want to do a pre-order on that. So I think we'll do we'll do the Jeb Bush Hillary Clinton or the Jeblery uh, t-shirt pre-order and then we'll do the fetuses for Rand Paul um, t-shirt pre-order so I, I think it's gonna be fun this is shaping up to be quite the election season y'all quite the election season all right well that does it for this week's episode of the Stephen Perkins program thanks so much for joining us this week make sure to check out the other podcasts at outsetmagazine.com slash podcast um, tomorrow will be the Matt Dallas show. Make sure to follow Outset Magazine on Twitter, out, out, at Outset Magazine on Facebook.com slash Outset Magazine. Follow me at Stephen underscore Perkins on Twitter and uh, Facebook.com slash Stephen Perkins. Thanks so much. And until we speak again next week, take care. Take care.